Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm your host Matt Perkins, joined as always by Badger Legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing this morning? Oh, we're good. We're good. I, we got a a great a great person, the Gunslinger. I don't know why I remember this, but James Joseph. Do we used to scream that at you? <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't. Uh, Jim Sorgi. One of one of the funnest and fun guys to play with and be around. Um, dude, Jim, I had to Google. I thought under your reign, I had the most catches. I just had oh. the most yards, okay. not the most catches. I had well, eight. I'll take one or the other. You know, yeah, I mean, one or the other. Yeah, I had eight catches, in seventy-nine <laughs> yards in 03 and 04. I had nine catches, but for sixty-eight yards. Okay, so um, I think that's hilarious by the way, because you always check down. I don't know why, but you would check it down to the fullback sometimes. Hey, it was either go deep or check it down. You know, you can't, <laughs> there's no in between. You can't wait too long. Otherwise, you you know, you're running for your life or you're getting hit. I mean, I learned that a long time ago. I use the resources at hand, right? I mean, if somebody was open, give them a chance. If not, check it down to the tight end or, or the back and just let them, let them work. I mean, we had so many playmakers back then. It was just fun to play. What what did what was Coach Horton like, dude? Did you just check it down to Matt, the fullback? Did he ever say that? Like, what was it in the in the room? He's like, dude, AD. Some of these guys are like, guys, you just checked it down. I remember one. We were at Illinois. I was doing um, not a flat, the other one, like a one of those ones where you like check and then you kind of do like a flare. Yeah, an angle route. Yeah. No, I, I it was in the backfield, like a flare out. I I can't oh, remember. Yeah, what they're wide called. flare. Yeah, yeah, wide yeah. flare. Yeah. And I was like. And then I must have been the last person on the planet. You should have you should have thrown it to like back to Donovan. But you threw it to me and I got like seven yards. I think we got to like the four yard line. And I got up and I was so pumped. And then I just thought to myself, like, what the hell is Jim doing, man? Why is he throwing it to me? Hey, but it was two things. It when you were in the game, I knew there was two things. One, I was going to be protected. And two, you were going to catch the ball if I needed you to. So, I mean, it, it, Two two best friends for a quarterback, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's all you need. Bernie <laughs> had some hands. Bern, people yeah. don't give him credit. Bernie had some hands. The only quarterback I think I dropped a pass in the game was uh, Stocko. Sorry, yeah. buddy. It happens, right? It happens. I mean, that, it happens once in a while. Just never when I threw you the ball. I, I'm not saying never. anything about that, but hey. I caught a pass from you off the ground almost at um, yes. in Minnesota. I remember that. Yeah. I remember I, that. Holy smokes. Yeah. See, I, I, I like these conversations because it just kind of brings up so many memories from when you played from back in the day and, and things like that. Because I think when we were texting back and forth about coming on the show, I was like, it's going to test your memory, see if you can remember some things. Because, I mean, we're talking almost, what, 15, 16 years ago now. So um, it's, it's it's just fun to kind of rehash those things and kind of think back to, you know, what what we did in the past and how good we actually were, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. 
From all the latest odds, totals, players, performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. So head on over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your number one source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Plus, our Olympics coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, we were talking about um, social media just before this, and, and it's actually good. I think it's good we didn't have it. For oh, a number yeah. of reasons, oh. but we were do, we were having we were working our butts off. We were doing everything we had to do football wise, but we were also like play hard, like work hard, play hard. And I think those years were very special with guys who would like we would bust our butts up at the stadium and then go to like Wando's or the college club like immediately after. Oh so, yeah, you you bust your butt and then you go to college club, you go to KK, you go to Wando's, you go to Bratz. I mean. Um, there was one place that had like uh, quarter pitchers or something like that. Remember that we, we would get quarter pitchers and that table was full of pitchers, right? Or dollar pitcher there or whatever it was. And we spent 10 bucks, we get 10 pitchers and, you know, needless to say, we weren't probably going out that night, but it, you know, that afternoon was a good time. No, I think that was bull feathers for there Friday after class. That's what it was. That was when you walked in, give them 10 bucks. And they're like, listen, Bernie, we, we're not giving you five pitchers. I think it was two. They're like, we're not going to give you five pitchers right off the bat. I'm like, why not? I'm paying yeah. for it. They're like, dude, you, it. <laughs> it's going to end very quickly for you. <laughs> um, so, well, Sorge, uh, thanks for being on the show. We, I want to talk about like young Sorge. I don't know young elementary school Sorge. I mean, you were a three-star athlete. You were one of the best, I guess, baseball. You had a 451 senior batting average. Yeah, pretty so good what, at baseball. Pretty good. That's like hitting one out of two. Well, it, honestly, back then you could play multiple sports because when a season ended, the season ended and another season began. I got a son that's 13 now. He plays travel baseball and that season doesn't end. You go from, you know, summer baseball where you're traveling every weekend of the summer to fall baseball to maybe you have a month off then you start winter practices and if you're not doing training sessions on top of that you're 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 missing out or you're not keeping up with everybody else and then that just kind of flows right into spring practice and then back into summer ball so nowadays it's so hard for kids to play three sports but again back to what, what we were talking about before we got on the show we were lucky enough to grow up before social media and after social media so kind of get integrated into it and I think that also, sports back then when we were growing up was season ended, you could enjoy that season off and go into the next season. So football ended, you go into basketball, get a little break. Basketball season ended, you go into baseball. And then summer was kind of a hodgepodge because, you know, you're doing seven on sevens and, 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 and travel baseball and some basketball camps. But it wasn't like it was too much. Now, if you play more than two sports, it's almost too much. And a lot of kids are focusing so much on one sport that they'd stop playing the other two. And I, my story to them is if I would have stopped playing a sport, it probably would have been football when I was younger. Cause I didn't start playing quarterback till I was a freshman in high school. So if I 
and it was probably my least enjoyable sport until I started to play quarterback in high school. So if I give up a sport when I'm in sixth, seventh grade, it's probably football to play basketball, baseball. And my life turns out completely different than the way it did. Right. I mean, scholarship to Wisconsin drafted six rounds to the Colts, seven year career. Me and my wife. In Indi- yeah. Super Bowl <laughs> champ. Um, me and my wife in Indiana. You know, three have kids. three boys. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a completely different outlook. I'm probably, you know, I, I don't know what I would be do, doing today. So um, just blessed to be able to grow up in the time I did where, you know, be able to play three sports, be able to enjoy all three sports and kind of learn what it was like to because I, I truly believe all three sports teach you something different. Um, and, you know, baseball, you have that opportunity when it's just you out there having to win whether you're pitching or whether you're batting or something like that football there's never you always have to play as a team and if somebody doesn't do their job you all can fail um in basketball kind of the same thing but you do have that angel individual aspect of making the shot or shooting a free throw and, and, and things like that so i truly i think they believe i truly believe they teach you all something different and i'm blessed to play all three and be pretty good at all three and enjoy all three no, I love that. And, and I also off of that, the mechanics of what your body does to me is different. Like football is different than basketball, than baseball. I was on the track team, which was just more speed stuff, but your body moves differently and you just become a better athlete overall. Yeah. That's why I think f- football, you know, basketball helped me just the way that all the other sports helped you. Uh, what, what's, I feel like the pressure on kids to pick a sport nowadays is is um it's just i don't know it's sad you know like i loved what you just said playing football then going to basketball then going to track and then in the summer you did everything and mm-hmm. nothing was as nothing was pressured yeah it was seven on sevens and you're getting ready for football and you're lifting but you're playing basketball at nights like you're joking around like it was fun now it's i see maybe sports are becoming less fun but neither here nor when did you start to play football and then you said you started quarterback, but what was the lead up to that? Like, wait, you weren't a lineman, I hope. Well, I actually was. So, Come on. You know, I was always one of the taller kids. And, you know, when you're young, the taller kids, they kind of – they don't know exactly where to put you, so they throw you uh, on the line. So I started playing football when I was r- really young uh, for this kind of community team, and I started out as an offensive lineman. And it was one of those teams where you kind of rotate, you know, like – you know, new offensive line go as new offensive line go as. So I was playing very little. I hated it. You know, my dad always was very strict and was like, we don't quit. We don't quit. But he he let me quit. He let me quit that team. Um, but he made me drop off the pads and do all that stuff. And, and that was probably when I was in third or fourth grade. And he always said, you can go back to it later. And then when I got to middle school, they had a seventh and eighth grade team. So I went out with the seventh grade team and I was always a pretty good athlete. I could catch the ball. I could run. So then I started to play wide receiver, kind of running back ish um, as a seventh grader on the eighth grade team. So said I played seventh and eighth grade football. And then I actually switched schools and went to a different high school than I was supposed to go to. And first year, uh, first day of, of warmups, um, the quarterback who had been the quarterback for the middle school was not there. They asked if anybody wanted to try to play quarterback. I said, no, I didn't want to. I wanted to be a wide receiver. So they put me on a wide receiver. I ran a couple of routes. These guys were throwing the ball and the ball was kind of bouncing to me, throwing over my head, doing all these things. I was like, what's the point of playing wide receiver if you're not going to be ever, ever catch the ball and somebody can't get it to you. So I said, yeah, I'll try it. I tried it. Um, 
I became a quarterback for the freshman team. We went undefeated. Sophomore year, I played varsity, started at safety, was the backup quarterback. And then junior and senior year, I played quarterback for the varsity, but got my scholarship offer to go to Wisconsin and took it after my junior year. Um, and that's kind of, that, that was kind of the path for me. I started young. I didn't like it. I ended up quitting, went back to it at an older age when I was a little bit more mature, a little bit more developed, um, playing a different position, started to like it even more. And then obviously got to, to become a quarterback in high school. So kind of a, kind of a rocky road right there as far as getting where I needed to get to, but I, I finally got there. Was baseball your first love? Yes, I love baseball. I, I love football, basketball, baseball. I love them all, all three, but there was something about the game of baseball and the chess match within the game. You don't necessarily see it anymore, especially in the big leagues when they don't they don't bunt anymore. They don't play small ball. They don't do any of that. It's more home run strikeout. But when we were growing up, it was that small ball type baseball. And, um, you know, I played shortstop. I played left field. I pitched a little bit, but I was always a pretty good hitter right around that three, three, five spot. And I, I, so, I, yeah, I love baseball, um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I got to high school and it allowed me to play all three, but then I truly got a love for what football, the, you know, the, the, the outside stuff of football, right? The, the, you know, the friendships, the camaraderie, the 11 guys on a field, the pads, the, you know, the smell of the grass, the, the games that you could play in and, um as I got older, I kind of had to make that decision what I was going to do in college, right? I was like going to go and play football. Was I possibly going to get drafted to go play baseball or, you know, try to go to a small school, do a couple sports. I chose Wisconsin for football and Wisconsin didn't have a baseball team. So I kind of made that decision a little bit easier, whether or not I was going to continue to play baseball. And then that was the end of my baseball career. But um, I don't regret obviously anything that I chose to do. I mean, you know, I got to Wisconsin and you, you want to talk about kind of a tough Wisconsin is I get there, I end up being the backup for so long, right? I mean, there was one year I was like the 1B quarterback to, to Brooks, but I was essentially the backup because, and, you know, you go to school to try to play early, right? So my true freshman year, we have a senior in, in Scott Cavanaugh. He ends up getting hurt. Brooks ends up going in, you know, they're, and and just we end up going on and winning the Rose Bowl, so it's it's hard to deny the success there, right? And then I get to play a little bit my retro sophomore year, and you know we kind of battled it out from there. He was pretty much always the starter, but I mean I got my playing time, and he would get dinged up a little bit, and I'd go in there and I'd win some football games. But if that happens nowadays, I don't know with the transfer portal if I stay at Wisconsin. Um, and and that's another thing that's changed over the course of the last 15, 20 years, where you now, you now you have the transfer portal. I mean, you could essentially say things weren't going my way because I wasn't being, getting the, the starter role. I wasn't getting all that playing time. But if I don't stick the course, again, my life doesn't turn out the same way. So it's, 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 diff, it's interesting how, how when we grew up, when I grew up, kind of led me to where I am today and how different that could have been if it was a different point in time. George, let's go back for a second. Who you are? So baseball was one of your passions, obviously. Football. Who was? So you grew up in Michigan. Was Michigan on the radar? What was their baseball teams? You know that were recruiting you. And then talk about your time of of like who was recruiting you to Wisconsin after your junior year is pretty early. So what 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 made Wisconsin that place for you? 
Well, Wisconsin was very similar to the, the offense I grew up in in high school, right? It was, it was run game. It was play action pass. It was try to get the ball down the field. But it was it was good offensive line. It was run game. And then you as a quarterback makes your job easier, right? I mean, you're going to get defenses. And you know you're going to be able to throw the ball when you want to throw the ball. Um, but you always had that run game to lean on. And, and it just – it seemed like a good fit to me. It seemed like the place I wanted to be. Coach Mason was the, uh, Henry Mason was the guy that recruited me. I, you know, I remember times with Coach Alvarez, Coach Mason, Coach White were in my grandparents' living room and, and doing all that kind of stuff. But I remember having the football cookout in the fall and then going to Wisconsin for a visit and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about the Devil Rays maybe drafting me in baseball. And then there was a conversation, well, what do you do then? Do you go and play baseball or do you go to college and play football? And I, I mean, I told them I was going to go to college and play football. So I didn't end up getting drafted in, in, in baseball. But, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, it, I think it was the right choice. I, you know, um, yeah, it, it, you know, Wisconsin was always that place that, it felt right, right? I mean, when you came on your visit, it felt right. When you were going to school there, it felt right. <clears throat> like it always felt like it was going to work out, right? I mean, my career at Wisconsin didn't start off great. I would go in and come in there, win games as far as the reserve quarterback was, but my first six, six starts at Wisconsin, I was 0-6. Um, you know, I lost to Drew Brees in Purdue. I lost to David Carr in Fresno State. I lost to Joey Harrington in Oregon. I mean, I was, I was playing well close games, but we were losing. Um, it wasn't until my first game, my fifth year against West Virginia at West Virginia that I got my first win. Um, so it was, it, you know, you go through those kind of depression times where you're like, man, and, and you know how the media is, they're on you, you know, it's all about winning and losing, right? Especially when you get to the higher levels and it was tough to get through that, but you know, I got through it. Everybody stuck by me. And then, you know, my senior year, we ended up having a pretty good year. I got banged up toward the end of the season. We lost a few games, but you know, great, great memories. I mean, you know, first game I ever played, it was at Michigan State my retro sophomore year. Bruce gets concussion at halftime. Don't even know it until we get on the field. Coach Alvarez comes up and says, you're starting the second half. You know, play the second half, end up throwing a winning touchdown to Lee Evans with 26 seconds left to win, to win that game. Um, and then the next week after that was my first start against Purdue at home on homecoming. And we we're tied. We're going into overtime. We get the ball first in overtime. We go to kick a field goal. They block the field goal. They run it back for a touchdown to beat us. So that, that was my first start. So that was kind of a heartbreaker. But, um, I mean, all good memories. All, all you know, <laughs> you know, truly wins and losses in there, right? I mean, come on. So one of the things that we've had a couple of your former receivers on, and, and Lee Evans said, you threw the most catchable ball of all the quarterbacks he played with at Wisconsin. What do you think made your ball so catchable? What was it a certain like training was a certain thing that you did? What made it so that, you know, you had such a, a soft touch, I guess. Well, I guess that means I didn't have the strongest arm in the world. Right. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest there, uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I truly took into, you know, I used to be called the gunslinger, like like Matt was said, and I truly took into account if my receiver was one-on-one -on -one with a defensive back, they they were going to make the play. And a lot of the plays that he made, uh, Chris Chambers made, were one-on-one -on -one balls that I just kind of threw up there that they went and got, to be honest with you. Um, me and Lee always had that kind of connection on the field. And I, I think it was a little bit, I didn't throw too heavy of a ball, I didn't throw too light of a ball. 
you know, I threw a pretty good spiral, but I wasn't going to, you know, burn a, a, a cross in your chest, right? I mean, I knew what kind of ball to throw in what kind of scenario. Um, and I, I mean, I take that as a compliment. I, I feel like, you know, if you could throw a ball that your receivers can catch, you're going to be successful more often than not. But me and Lee had that connection, whether it was that touchdown pass I was talking about against Michigan State with 26 seconds left um, to the interview after that game to probably that night at the KK, Matt, you know, right? I mean, um, but the five touchdowns against Michigan State are fifth year, uh, all to him. Um, you know, I had 99-yard touchdown pass against Akron to to Lee. Uh, I just remember so many memories of Lee being the guy that was going to make a play for you. Um, and he made a lot of plays for me. And he probably got, you know, a lot of my touchdowns were to him and a lot of his touchdowns were for, for me. And, you know, we always had that connection on the field where I knew if he was one-on-one, he was going to make the play. And it, uh, it just, it, it never failed us. What made Lee such a special receiver? He, he was always, his awareness of where he was on the field, how he used to have total control of his body, whether he was in the air or running a route or how he would set up a receiver. That's what made him so good on those kind of go one-on-one balls is strong hands, but then also knew how to use his body to, to get a, an advantage on the, on the defender. Um, and that's what I remember the most. He was always open, but when he wasn't open, he was open. Um, if that makes sense. So, uh, you know, Blessed to play with him, blessed to play with a lot of players that I played with at Wisconsin, and very happy for him. He was able to, you know, obviously get drafted in the first round, go have a heck of a career in Buffalo and in Baltimore, and, and you know, played, played a lot of years. So, so it, that room, the, the wide receivers room was pretty solid, though, that yeah. year. You had DC, I think. You had Brandon Williams, right in 03. He was a starter that year as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So, pretty good group of guys. Um, and there's a bunch more that I'm now blanking on. But you also had Owen Daniels. Yeah. Was, he was a tight end. Yep. Um, so we just had, like, we had dudes. Like, 03 seems to be, like, an in-between year that, at least for me, it was my middle year. But you had 2004, we started out 9-0. and And 02, we kind of weren't anything special. But nobody realized, like, 03, like, we were beating good teams. And we were, like, kicking people's butts, like, hard. Yeah, it got disappointing kind of in the middle of the year. I, we, I think we were undefeated. Um, we ended up playing a UNLV team at home. We ended up losing that game. I didn't play my best game, but we ended up turning it over a few times. Um, it was a cra- crappy rain day. We ended up mm-hmm. losing that game. Um, right there in that, uh, I want to say maybe two games later, we ended up playing maybe a Purdue, a Purdue team at home. Um, I ended up keeping like a zone read around the end. I ended up getting hit in the knee, tearing my my uh a meniscus in my knee and having to have surgery. We ended up losing that Purdue game. And then we played Northwestern the week after that, we ended up losing that game. So those are three losses initially. And then I, I remember coming back from surgery, maybe two weeks later after the bye, we go to Minnesota, um, good game in Minnesota, but we ended up losing the ax on that field goal. I think we lost 35, 32 or 38, 35 or 42, 37, 34. So, there we go. 37, 34. But, um, it, it, that was that was probably the heartbreaker of the season, right? Because we win that game, we win the axe. You obviously know how important the axe is uh, to bring back to Wisconsin. So that game was a was a tough one for all of us. But I got to say, I took that one pretty hard. 
Um, and then I remember coming back home, and then that was the Michigan State game where we ended up beating Michigan Killing State up them. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And then I think the last game of the season was an Iowa team. Um, I want to say we ended up going up on them. I think I had to come out of the game, and they wouldn't give me my helmet back because – I'm, I guess I said the wrong thing about seeing stars, but I would have loved to got my helmet back because I think we would have ended up winning that game. We go to the Music City Bowl. We end up losing the Music City Bowl to Auburn. So it started out great. That middle of the year kind of, you know, a few games didn't go our way. That should have went our way. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Brandon Williams, probably one of the toughest competitors and, and you will ever meet from the wide receiver position. Just a really good wide receiver, really good guy. You had Darren Charles. You had Lee Evans. You had Owen Daniels, um, running backs. I was, I think it was Anthony. Yep. Um, and, and Dwayne. Yep. Dwayne um, and Booker. Anthony. Who, mm-hmm. Booker, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was just fun. It was just fun. Up front, we had, you know, Jonathan Klingscale, Donovan Riola. Um, Benning. You know, uh, all those, Dan Benning, all those great guys that I remember one of the memories from that season is playing Ohio State and I getting choked in the Ohio State game and, and Donovan Rayola, I mean, he, he almost tore that guy's head off. So yeah. you knew you knew it was a tight-knit group from that standpoint and uh, it was just a lot of fun. It, it didn't. We could have been so much better and achieved so much more that year, but it was, it, it was a fun year. Like, compare, like when I compare it to the 02-01, that team was so much better than at least 01 when we went 5-8. and eight. Yeah, we had all the right pieces. I guess it, you're right. If like if people just stayed healthy, maybe one thing goes our way. You know, that guy misses that field goal. It's a whole new season for us. Yeah. But, um, but I always liked that. Like that was a gritty team. I, it was. I, 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 I like enjoyed when I think back on it. I'm like, damn. Like, you know, '04 was that breakout year for me and for a lot of other guys because we went nine and zero. We were all over you know the news and everywhere. But that year was like we just played dirty, hard-nosed, like, football. I don't know. Like, I just feel like we were the, the junkyard dogs that year. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Watching that 0-4 team was a lot of fun, too. Um, uh, you know, with, with Stocko and, and, and you and all those guys. And wasn't that the year you guys beat Michigan? No, yep. 05 was when we beat 05 was Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, oh, oh, 04 was, was the Bernie versus Penn State game. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. I mean, that's that's what Wisconsin's all about, right? Had my time at Wisconsin, but I still, I mean, you'll see it from anybody that goes to Wisconsin or, or is at Wisconsin right now. They bleed red and white, man. I mean, they bleed the W. They. It's all about, you know, I'm watching the basketball game last night against Michigan State. I mean, I'm sitting there with my oldest son and we're cheering our heads off because we obviously – want to be Michigan state, right? We lose to them at home and, and then we, you know, we beat them at Michigan state, but it's watching the volleyball team win the national championship is, it's, it's, you stay connected after you leave. It, it, you might not get there as much. And I definitely don't get there as much now as, as I would like to. It was hard getting back after I left because going to the NFL and, and the seasons and stuff like that, it was hard to get back to games and it's hard to get back to now with three boys and all their sports and stuff. But, you know, it, it truly is a place that you feel like you belong you can call home when you go back because people remember people, you know, are all about what you did there and, and, and how you, how you made it feel. So. So let me paint you a quick picture. What you got. It's nighttime. You're walking up Langdon street. You turn right onto Francis street, looking at the towers. You see a lot of big guys and other guys possibly fist fighting. How did you know it was me? 
And then why did you run in there and stop it? When <laughs> I just, I just, it was like me, I, I won't name other names, but there were some taller tight ends who were there. Um, and we got into like a little, a little scuffle, as you would say, with a fraternity. And all I remember is Jim Sorgi running in the middle and pretty much everyone stopped because they knew who you were. And I'm talking about like, it was a brouhaha. We were like 30 guys going at it and everyone stopped and just ran away. You're like, break it up, break it up. Do you remember that? Well, uh, of course I remember it. One, <laughs> it was one, it was the right thing to do. And two, I mean, you know, it, as much as I know I, that you guys would have handled your business, you know, we can't, we can't be, that's the wrong place to maybe handle the business. Maybe we take it somewhere else, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know, dude, again, we're, we're all badgers, right? I mean, um, so much, so many good stories. I, I I can't tell you how many, well, fights I was in and fights I broke up and, you know, things like that. I remember being at a house party and I was trying to get this girl away from this guy and I ended up pushing this guy. We started to get into a little scuffle and this was my freshman year and I was rooming with Corey Martin and Jamal Wilson. And I don't know if you know those names, uh, Bernie, because they never really kind of played past, I think, that year or maybe the next year. But um, we're at this party, and one of them was a linebacker. Corey Martin was a linebacker, and he was from uh, California. And he had this tattoo that started here, went across his neck, and said berserk in the middle of it. So that'll just tell you what this guy was. And I had a red Wisconsin hat on, and I had it on backwards. So we're trying to leave this party. This guy's bothering this girl, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stepping in there. And, you know, he – he gets all huffy and puffy. So I end up pushing him. He ends up falling in kind of a stereo set. We end up walking out the back door. He comes storming out the back door. Where's the guy in the red hat? So this linebacker that I'm Corey McCorey, who I'm one of my roommates, he takes my red hat and he puts it on him backwards. And he just beat this guy to whatever love <laughs> Paul, Right. Um, but again, so glad we grew up before social media, right? I mean, just because none of this stuff of actually happened. <laughs> it never <laughs> if happened. You it's all hearsay. It, if it's you try a legend, it, right? It's wait, all so legend. You had a, you also had a truck, right? Like a two door truck. I did. I had a Ford Ranger. I had a two door Ford Ranger that was two wheel drive, and nobody told me what the winters were like. I mean, I grew up in Michigan. I kind of knew, but the winters were way different in Wisconsin. I remember going to an exam in that truck, getting so many tickets, by the way, because I didn't want to drive the scooter in the winter. And then trying to go up the hill, uh, Bascom Hill, in that truck, not being able to make it, just having to leave the truck there while I go take the Wait, exam and then coming back. Was this Hans Christian Anderson? I don't know. I don't think it was. Dude, that. I think you helped. I helped you get your truck out of that out of Did that you? snow. I'm pretty <laughs> sure because you're like, dude, I need help. And I'm like, all right. Hey, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's either that or you helped me put my scooter in your truck because it had a flat tire. Or it's like frozen. I'm pretty sure. But one of my fondest talking about referencing like your brain, one of my favorite memories, and this is so bad. We were dry. We drove. um, What's the casino? Yeah. Ho-Chunk. Ho-Chunk. And I was in the trunk. Yes. In like the winter, like January. And I had. Middle of January. I was like, you know, in my, in my coat, like just in the back for what is it? 45, an hour long trip. Hour long (laughs) trip. We get this idea. Hey, let's go to the casino. Okay. Let's go to the casino. Well, we'll take a Sorge's truck. Well, Sorge has a two door Ford Ranger. There's six of us. All right. Let's, how are we going to do this? 
So two, I'm driving, somebody in the passenger seat, we can possibly fit two in like the little row seats behind us, but then like two or three in the back in the bed. In 10 degree weather, driving to Ho-Chunk Casino in the Wisconsin Dells. And I think we made a stop maybe like 35 minutes in to switch because you guys couldn't make it in the back anymore. But yeah, I remember that trip. I definitely remember that trip. That was that was probably one of the stupidest things we've ever did. But thank, thank, thankfully, no hypothermia. Everybody made it. We had a good time and we made it home. Don't know how we did that either, but hey. I, unbelievably, I don't remember the ride home. But I think at the casino, you know, I think I was 19. So I remember freaking out because I'm like, oh, the casino, my ID. And I think I won like 30 bucks, you know, yeah, 30 bucks won. in 02 was a big deal. Yes. So, um, so I give him my ID and I was like, they give me my money. I was like, oh man, this is the best ever. But I who don't remember with, coming who, back. Who went with us? I want to say it was you, me, Nate Howard. And then from that point on, I have no idea. Yeah. I think people were following us too. I think Mark Bell, I want to say Mark Bell was a lot in a lot of stupid things we used to do. Mark Bell, maybe she was Shapert there. And, I'm pretty sure uh, Shaves, probably Pashodi. Um, Pashodi. I want to say Cleaver. Oh, D. Cleaver would have definitely have been there. Yeah, I want to say like, definite. The thing is, I can name 25 people. They probably all probably could have been there in like two cars. I don't, you know. <laughs> I don't remember how we got home either. I just assumed we drove back home, but I don't remember it either. Maybe we stayed. I don't think we stayed. But I don't think we know, stayed. It, it's just so funny. Like these experiences. Yes, that was a dangerous experience. Mom and dad, if you're, I'm sorry yeah. that this happened. I'm still here, but these yeah. experiences were super dangerous, but, but, they were just so fun. Like, I, yeah. I don't even know what to say. Like, you know, it's sitting in the bed of a truck to go to a casino is something. You know you're going to yeah. do stupid things. You just hope the stupid things don't alter your life in a alter life-altering way. Sure. And thank right. God that did not because that probably could have. That probably could have. Oh, it, I, mean, I mean, it definitely could have. But, but these experiences that you share with somebody, you can never unshare them. Yeah. With with so I have another experience that is not it's not actually bad it's actually good but it involves you in the NFL I think you were playing and we'll get into you know the draft and all that but we were you were playing at Giant Stadium at the time mm-hmm. I want to say you guys were playing either the, I think it was the Giants but I could be wrong because I'm a Jets fan so I would go to the games for the Jets I don't know why I only think because I think Jeremy Shockey was on the team and I was screaming at him after the game. Is it the, the Manning tunnel. Bowl? No. The first Manning Bowl. I remember playing the first Manning Bowl in New York. It was Eli oh, against Hayden. Um, they had Tiki Barber, that Shockey, they had all those guys. We ended up, I think we ended up winning that game. Um, so we were but, sitting yeah, behind the bench, behind the Colts bench, and we were probably like 30 rows up. And I'm like, holy, I can see Sorgi from here. I'm like, this is amazing. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go down there and scream. And, and I'm like, this, this probably happens to Sorgi all the time. So I was like, Sorgi, it's Bernstein from Wisconsin. And dude, you turned around and I was like, yes. I'm like, Sorge. I'm like, dude, I'll meet you after the game. And you're like, all right, cool. And then you came out and talked to my dad and I for like 10 minutes before that's you guys awesome. got on the bus. It was so cool. Like, that's what that brotherhood is. It just continues to last no matter how long, you know, it goes. That's what I feel so special about doing this podcast is, you know, like I haven't spoken to you in years. The last yeah. time I think we actually hung out was at a dinner in New York well, when you were a giant. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then that's what I was excited about. I was excited about when I left Indy and I actually signed in New York. I would have liked to have spent uh, obviously a few years there, 
Um, but there were so many friends that I had from Wisconsin, you being one of them that was from New York and the East Coast. And um, it was almost like a, a UW reunion uh, going back to New York and being able to go to dinners. And now that's my last memory of seeing you was at that dinner in New York as well. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to make sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter what the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Wait, so sorry. So, okay, so after all three, what what was the combine experience like? We've had some people on. It's it, To me, the combine was the worst thing in the world I've ever done outside of stadiums. What was that like? What was, you know, getting an agent? What did the draft look like? Like, where were you when you when when that was going on? Well, uh, funny story. I didn't, eat, I didn't actually get invited to the combine. Um, I didn't get invited to the combine that last semester of your fifth year, right? You can either continue going to school, finish school, which, uh, or go work out for the draft. So I ended up going and working out for the draft. I ended up going down to Atlanta and then doing some throwing things, coming back and working out with coach Deadman as far as strength and then the 40 and all that stuff. But I didn't go to the combine, but I had a really good pro day. I ended up running like a four, six in the 40, you know, me and Lee, we ended up throwing the ball pretty good together um, and doing all that stuff that you needed to do. You know, it was rumored that I could go anywhere from, third round to free agent, right? I mean, it was kind of all over the board. And I, I think it was a little bit because, you know, I wasn't, I, I came out with a lot of good quarterbacks. I came out with Eli. I came out with Ben. I came out with Philip Rivers. I came out with John Navarre. I came out, I mean, there were so many quarterbacks that, that were coming out of that draft that it was hard to determine, you know, how early they were going to go and then where I was going to fall. Um, but yeah, I mean, draft day comes. I'm at home in, in Michigan. Uh, first day comes and goes. So that is what it is. I ended up actually going to the casino that night to blow off some steam, played a little blackjack, and then came home, spent the night with my sisters, went back to my parents the next day. Uh, you know, fourth round came, fifth round came. I actually ended up getting a little mad around the fifth round that I hadn't been picked yet because you got your whole family there. You, you don't know what's going to happen, but you're always – wanting the best and, and expecting the best and hoping for the best. So I actually take off, a little pissed off, go driving down the road, take about a 20-minute or come back, cool down a little bit. Next thing you know, I walk in the door, my phone rings. It's a 317 number. Somebody goes, that's Indy. Indy's on the, on, on the clock. And actually, my dad picks up the phone. He starts talking. I didn't talk the whole phone call. He talked to everybody. He talked to Ursay. He talked to Coach Dungey. He talked to Caldwell. He talked to everybody. He picked my number for me because I couldn't be 19 like I was in Wisconsin. So I had to be. So he picks number 12. He goes, what number do you want? And I was like, what are my options? He's like, what are my options? He's like, four, eight, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, 12. He's like, he'll take 12. 
So he ends up doing the home phone call. But that party after that was was fantastic. You talk about one of the greatest moments getting drafted is is kind of is top three, um, top five. I mean, you know, you've got three boys and a wife. You got to, you know, we'll, we'll call it top five. But it was it, it was a fantastic day. But all right, now I'm drafted. Six round pick for the Colts. I'm coming into Indianapolis. I'm going to back up Peyton Manning. Um, and now back then, nowadays they have like rookie rookie mini camps, rookie camps, and they let you get adjusted and do all that stuff. Back then, you show up, you're in the room with the man, right? You're in that room, um, and it's not we'll work at your pace. It's catch up to his pace. And he had already been on the team six years. He's a, you know NFL MVP. He's a Pro Bowler. He's doing all this stuff. He's winning a bunch of games. Um, so it was literally constant work trying to figure it out and my game up to that point we did a little bit of fixing things in Wisconsin from an offensive standpoint like checking plays and fixing protections and doing all that we fixed everything here um I mean it was literally you know you try to figure out what the defense is doing and then you get the bet into the best play you count the box you you pick up the blitz you do what you got to do to get as many people out in the route or as you can, but protect yourself. So it was learning all that and and trying to figure it out and do it like him. And um, you, you talk about a whirlwind, uh, you know, you and you're just trying to make the team at that point. You're not a first round pick. You're not a first day pick. You're, you're a draft pick, but, you know, you're just trying to make the team as his backup. And you knew that that that, that was going to be your role. So um, I just tried to be the best at being his backup and give him all the resources he needed to be as good as he could be and then when I get my shot just play as well as I could play um preseason went well end up making the team which was top 10 moment in 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 my life and you know from that point it was just kind of building on that and growing from there and I was lucky enough to play on some really good teams I mean literally we were we would go into the season really expecting to win we would knew we were going to win at least 10, 10 games. We knew we were going to make the playoffs, but expecting to win 12, 14 games, possibly going defeated um, and be a Super Bowl contender. And, you know, out of the six years I was here in Indy, we went to the Super Bowl twice and ended up winning once. So it was it was a whirlwind, but it was fantastic. What was your relationship like with Peyton, like from the jump? Was he like welcoming? Was he icy towards you? Like what was his sort of like demeanor like with you and how did you guys sort of grow and evolve as you guys played together for six years? Yeah, he was very welcoming. I, I don't, you know, I think if a quarterback's icy to another quarterback's because they're threatened by the other quarterback, I don't think he was very threatened by me. I don't think Peyton's threatened where, by anybody. But. Where he was in his career. Um, so he, yeah, he wasn't very threatening. You know, I remember the first time I met him in the locker room, he said he'd come up and introduce himself, Peyton Manning, you know, look forward to working with you. We had a, night, a really close knit, room it was only us two quarterbacks but then we normally have a practice squad quarterback and um we would never go into a meeting without each other you know it was always kind of that group um first couple years we didn't have a third quarterback so I was the you know get the coffee get the subway before the flight you know guy um but again perfectly okay with that role at that time right I mean it's Peyton Manning and you knew I just got, you know, I don't think there's any thought that Tom Brady is not the best quarterback to ever play the game. I, well, hands down, I believe that just because of his success and how long he was able to play and so on and so forth. Um, but playing with Peyton until the last couple of years of time, I would have put Peyton up 
there as the greatest quarterback ever to play the game. And a lot of it was not only his preparation and in, in, in getting to the game, his knowledge of the game, but how he made everybody around him better, how he made the team better. He truly could have been the starting quarterback, the, the, the office coordinator, quarterback coach, the head coach. I mean, he ran a lot of what happened in the building and he fixed so much that happened on the field. I mean, there would be times um, in my fifth, sixth year of being here. And so I know the offense pretty well at that point, he would change things and do things on the field that I didn't even know he, what he was doing until I went back and I watched the film. Um, and it's truly like you pull something from two years ago and, and use it in a split second check to, uh, get us in the right play. And the, the most amazing thing was, is this is how you knew we were a good team is everybody around him knew what was going on. Now you, you got a lot of good players on that offense. You got Marvin Harrison, you got Reggie, Reggie Wayne, you got Jeff Saturday, you got, uh, you know, Joe Adai or, or Edger and James, you got, I mean, you got a lot of good players on that offense, but he'd make a check and they were on it, you know, and they were on the protection. They were on the route, they were on the run, whatever it may be. But just to be in the room and him to be know know the coordinators we're going to play know what they like to do hey swords go grab tape from back in 2000 we were playing miami at home it was the third quarter we were going right to left off our bench i want to see this play and go find it bring it back and then we would implement that play against this quarter and the coordinator in this game um so yeah, it was it was truly unbelievable to play with him. The friendship kind of grew over those six years to where we would hang out afterwards. We'd go to the Kentucky Derby together. He would have parties at his condo downtown before, you know, the the Indy 500. Um, go out to dinners and, and things like that with our wives. And you know, the fr- it started out being amazed at what type of player and football quarterback he was, and then the friendship kind of grew over time. Wait, that first off, that's amazing because I did not know that you had such a special. I mean, I assumed, but you so you guys were only two people in the room with the quarterbacks coach, and that was it for a bunch of years. Yeah, so it was it was us two and then quarterback coach and then the office coordinator. So you know, Coach Caldwell, Tom Moore, me and him. Um, and then a couple of years later, we we got a practice guy, squad quarterback, uh, but I, I didn't start out as the backup. There was one game I wasn't his backup quarterback, and it was my true freshman year. They ended up uh, keeping two quarterbacks on the roster, so it was his, Peyton. It was me, and then it was Joe Hamilton from Georgia Tech. I don't know if you guys remember oh, Joe yeah. Hamilton I remember from Georgia Joe Tech. So he ended up – we played uh, New England, the Patriots, on a Thursday night, I believe. Uh, first game of the season, I'm the third-string quarterback. And then after that game, they ended up releasing Joe Hamilton, and that's when I became the backup. And then I was the backup for the rest of the time. Wait, I, I'm just I'm just so stunned. That's so cool. So, so did you know – so for people who don't know Peyton at all, I only got to know him a little bit through, like, commercials and what you saw on TV. <laughs> Was he is he always like a lovable, like funny, humorous guy all the time? No, um, <laughs> not all not all the time. Um, there's there's serious. There's there's work, and then there there's after work is done, right? And and a lot of times the work continued into the after work stuff. But the commercials are hilarious. I think he does a great job with what he does from a commercial standpoint. The Saturday Night Live skit back in the day when he was you know, with the kids on the football field, hitting them in the back of the head, talking about the you who and, and I mean, it, 
literally might be the funniest thing I've ever seen. But I contend to this day that he is the best athlete to ever host SNL. I, I would agree with that. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's, it's him, but it's so far from him. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like you, you expect the, the, uh, the serious, the prim and proper guy. And then you get this guy on commercials and things like that. And he's not afraid to make fun of himself, but also, you know, play a guy that he would never obviously be and then do it in, 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 in a hilarious way. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I wish it would have lasted longer. I wish we, we would still be playing, but you know, football, football in the, in the body doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. Sometimes. Oh, Wait, Matty P before you go, before you go, I did. Cause Matt Perkins has a lot of fun questions to ask you. I'm sure that we ask a lot of people, but Sorgi, what, what does it mean? What, how do you feel like you won the Super Bowl? Like there's not a lot of Wisconsin guys that can really say that. And it's probably the biggest thing you can do outside of maybe winning a gold medal but i still think the super bowl's bigger than that and you won one what what does that feel like yeah i mean obviously an unbelievable achievement for 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 the team to go on and win the super bowl we got there twice we should have won it twice we had the lead against the saints in the second one um but the the it, it was kind of that bittersweet day, right? I mean, you get to the Super Bowl, you're playing the Bears. We ended up winning the Super Bowl. It's pouring down rain. I mean, literally pouring down rain in Miami. Um, but it didn't ruin the night. But then I remember trying to get to the after party. You know, my parents are there. My mom slips getting off the bus. She ends up fracturing her ankle. So we spent the after party at the hotel. Oh. But it was literally nothing could ruin that night, right? I mean, it it – I can't explain what it feels like to end the season. I got to imagine it's what it's like to win a national championship where you win the last game of the season and it's, it's the pinnacle and you get the trophy and you get the rings and you have the ring ceremony, you know, that summer afterwards. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words what, because you work so hard to get to that point. Um, and you, there's so much film study. There's so much time put on the field. There's so much, you know, off season work and, and meetings and workouts. And uh, I mean, you know, Matt, and it's just kind of one of those things where when you, when a, a group comes together and they have a goal in mind and they work so hard to get to that goal and they achieve that goal, there's really nothing better than that feeling. Um, and I think that uh, that's what I take away from it. And that's what I try to instill in my sons is, yeah, you might not always get to that point and always succeed. But when you do succeed and you work that hard as a group and as a team to get there, it, it, there's really no better feeling. So quick aside, you didn't get to see some. I also also believe that the greatest Super Bowl halftime performance of all time was that Super Bowl. Prince, yes. I agree. Prince. Purple yeah, rain so. in the rain. I mean, yeah, come exactly, on now. Exactly. So I you didn't get to see that, that in real time, obviously, because you guys would have been back in the locker room. But every year during the halftime show, I always turn off the halftime show and just rewatch Prince of Prince's halftime show. I don't think that can ever be beat. I, I genuinely don't believe that anything will ever be greater than that. I will watch this year, but you know, that's a different story. Um, you also got a year with Eli. You got a year yeah. with Eli in New York. What's the biggest similarity and the biggest difference with Peyton and Eli? Um, Peyton liked to control a little bit more. Eli was a little bit more laid back and, and, um, let others control things. Uh, Peyton wasn't, uh, uh, Eli wasn't as big. He was more, 
yes, he'd make his checks and fix things, but he was more make a play sometimes where Peyton was very much, you know, I want to fix as much as, as, as I can, but they're very similar in terms of how they process the game from a cerebral stamp standpoint. Um, very smart, very intelligent in the game. Uh, it was it was interesting playing with both of them because obviously Peyton six years older and Eli was came out the same year I did, so it was kind of different relationship with both of them. Um, you know, Peyton more is like a older brother mentor. You know, kind of got to win his respect sort of thing. Eli's more like a a buddy, right? Because you're the same age. You, you know, um, but very very similar, but very different in their own aspects. And then um, both it just goes to show you how both angles can be successful and both uh, types of styles can be successful. Um, you know, I think Eli, the one year, one of the years he won, won the Super Bowl. they started out six and six and they, they just got hot and they went on to the, to, to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I mean, you got Eli who beat pa Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl and kind of Tom Brady was kind of our kryptonite with the Colts and, and the Patriots. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's it, that's what's interesting is how many how su the successful teams I was on and how many more chances we could have gotten to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl um, and compete in those games. Uh, you know, one year, for example, we, we're going to play the winner of the Denver Patriots game and Denver ends up beating the Patriots. And I believe we beat Denver earlier in the season. We have to play Pittsburgh the next night. Well, we ended up losing to Pittsburgh. It was the whole Bettis fumble, and our guy picks it up, and Roethlisberger makes a, makes a tackle, and then we miss the field goal. But then Pittsburgh goes on to play um, Denver, then I believe play in Seattle in the Super Bowl. We beat Seattle earlier in that season, and that would have been in Detroit. So, you know, if the stars align, we beat Pittsburgh. Odds are we're probably going to beat Denver and then go beat Seattle in the Super Bowl and then win another Super Bowl. So um, I didn't get as much time in New York as I would have liked to have gotten. I got hurt that year, and then the lockout came, and I, I, I got offered a contract to go back to the Giants. I thought possibly Cincinnati was going to come and offer you know, a contract to go play in Cincinnati. It's, you know, as much as I love New York, it was it was different than being in Indiana for a long time. So, you know, wife and kids kind of missed Indiana. I was thinking I could play in Cincinnati and then come back to Indiana. It was so close. Um, Cincinnati ended, ended up not coming with a contract offer. By that time, the Giants had signed David Carr. So I was kind of that free agent, bounced around, worked out for some teams, but never really caught on after that. So... After that, you've become a broadcaster as well as doing many of the other things that you've done. How did you get into broadcasting? So that was uh, my last season was a 2011 season, I believe, in New York. 2012 season, um, I got offered to do the preseason TV games for the Colts. I did a few things for the Colts other than that, like uh, some countdown and kickoff shows for some local television stations. But I got offered to do the preseason games uh, on TV for the Colts. I did that for that season. I believe it was 2012. And then um, the gentleman who was doing the radio for the Colts ended up taking a high school coaching position. He lived in, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so I was offered that job. I started doing the, the radio full time in 2013. I want to say I did it for eight years and I stopped two years ago. Um, right before Jonathan I, Taylor, right before Jonathan, right Taylor. before Jonathan Taylor, but he is fun to watch. You know, um, he, he, he's, 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 
the linchpin of that team right now. He's he's dominating. He's a force to be reckoned with, and he truly epitomizes what Wisconsin is all about, right? I mean, um, he's not flashy. He's not brash. He's going to go out there. He's going to do it. He's going to do it right, and um, he's intelligent. He's respectful, um, and he, I'm, I'm glad he's a Colt. He he's truly epitomizes what's the best of Wisconsin, but also what the Colts are all about as well. But I got super busy with a, a couple of companies. I started outside of broadcasting and I had to, you know, kind of pick and choose. And um, as much as I loved doing the broadcasting it was on the weekends, the traveling on Saturdays, games on Sundays or games on Sundays at home. And I was the kids were starting to have sports on the weekends. I was starting to miss a lot of things. So <clears throat> I had to make that choice and I chose to, to give up broadcasting and end up concentrating on the businesses and the family. What are those businesses, George? You got Sorgi Sports back behind you? Yeah, I got Sorgi Sports behind us. So Sorgi Sports was a durable medical equipment company. Me and my partner started uh, about eight years ago. Um, so durable medical equipment is any type of equipment you need to recover and rehab from, from surgery or an injury or something like that. So, you know, game-ready cold machines, um, braces, uh, crutches, scooters, all that stuff. So we started that business eight years ago. And then we started Protein Tactical Performance about three and a half years ago. And Protein Tactical Performance is a rehab company for first responders. So we take care of uh, public safety. So we essentially create, and all of this you learn from athletics, right? So we have the athletic training rooms in sports. We create the tactical athlete training rooms. Um, a lot of first responders are former athletes. Um, Obviously, I have a, a big affinity for first responders because I have brother-in-laws that are firefighters. My partner has, you know, family that is also in the fire service and law enforcement. Um, so we create Team Tactical to, to take care of them just like high-level athletes and professional athletes. So we work, we concentrate on injury prevention and performance. We concentrate on injury rehab and behavioral health. So we, we provide them those tools. We give them that place that they if they get hurt, you know, at work or, or off of work, they can come see us. They get evaluated by physical therapists, athletic trainers. And then we are that conduit to whatever we need to get done to make them keep them on the job while they rehab or get them back to the job if they're going through an injury. So very similar, Matt, to what you would understand as the athletic model. When you get hurt on the field, you report to athletic training rooms. We have the tactical athlete training rooms and we take care of all public safety. Man, I would fantastic. take a cold tub. I would take a cold tub all day. I'm so old now. If I walk up five flights, five stairs, I need a cold tub. Sleeping wrong gets you gets sore nowadays, right? I, mean, I get hurt the most from getting up over. You're right. From getting up to go to the bathroom out of my bed. It's yeah. like, oh, my back, my ribs. Like, what What did I just do? I did nothing. Yeah, yeah. just, just um, wait until Maple's playing with Legos, too. Dude, she's getting heavy. It's hard. To, you know, sadly, it's hard. I got to lift up my legs more and more. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I so, got a 16 year old, a 13 year old, and a seven year old. Um, and you said they're no, all better athletes, as you would want, right? I mean, it's sure. just this generation. But I'll t I'll be honest with you. I used to be big in high school, you know, and now I walk through my son's high school, and I'm average size. These kids nowadays are huge, right? I mean, they're big, they're athletic, and um, yeah. But I guess it's just the way of the world, right? I mean. Bigger, stronger, faster. It's what these kids do nowadays. They're lifting earlier. They're, they're taking supplements. They're doing all these things that we didn't end up doing until later on in life. Uh, they're doing it earlier in life. So, um, yeah, these kids in high school nowadays and college are monsters compared to what I was back in the day. 
Jim, I, I can't thank you enough. We've already taken more than an hour of your time and this has been fantastic. I have a trillion more questions, so we're just going to have to have you back is really what it boils down to. Well, hey, guys, love the show. Um, keep doing your thing. Matt, obviously great to meet you. Bernie, great to see you. Great to catch up. Thank you for having me on. Anytime you want to have me on, just let me know. Um, of course. Hopefully we can you know, see each other soon and, and catch up, have a reunion in, in, in Madison with all the guys and, and have some fun. But it's been great being on the show. Thanks for having me, and, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, Yo, absolutely. Thanks, yeah, thank you. And uh, until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Go, go UW, baby. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B-L-E-A-V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.